Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good welcome, good night and good etc. to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective, the only rugby podcast where it's not currently the Six Nations and Super Rugby is not about to start because it will not start for about another 12 years. This is the 1987 of rugby. I am joined as ever by Mr. Will Owen. How are we? I'm all right, thank you. And you know what, with with that in mind, I just think 987 is great. And I just think that it, it requires so much analysis. I think we're really struggling. Yeah, yeah. I think we should really get a proper expert on who really, really knows his stuff and works professionally in that field. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a good shout. I mean, technically, we both do, but not very but well. not really, do we? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. We just, we, we're there to lower the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 not the same thing. So I had a great idea thrown to me because the moment I finished watching this game, uh, what should be the first recommended video? But a video by Wibble Rugby. Never so heard I thought of them. There's only one place to go, only one person to get in, and that is Connor himself from Wibble Rugby. How are you doing? How are we? That was a great introduction, guys. That's very well. <laughs> Sensational. Uh, very well, thank you, gentlemen. Very well. Um, your fine selves? Uh, you know, entirely, entirely alive, which, yeah. you know, two weeks into the Six Nations, I'll take. I had a thing, I spoke to, should I mention that? A, a, you know, a current international who plays in the Women's Six Nations a few weeks ago. And I mentioned like how tough a time the Six Nations is for me and how exhausting it is. Then I was like, oh no, she knows this because. <laughs> she like she plays in the thing. She puts her body on the line for this. Like me being tired is nothing. And I had to walk back on that very quickly. Probably experiences about 10 car crash related injuries, you know, similar <laughs> on every weekend, you know, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, you know, when we had like a bit of small talk about like you know, what are you doing at the weekend? She asked me and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And then I asked her, what about yourself? And she said, oh, well, we've got Harlequins away. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I did know that. Anyway, that's not, we're not doing a Premier 15's 2022 retrospective. Yeah. Um, yet, but we'll get to that. When we've it's, done a lot of other tournaments, we'll probably get there. What's we'll the next one on the agenda? Is it going to be 91 and then 95? Or is that the way it's going to go? Well, we did no, 2011 first. Yeah. Um, and now 87. How did, uh, you, how did you reflect on the Sam Warburton, like the, the uh, Alan Roland incident? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> the, the true answer to that question is for over two hours. Uh, I think that's our longest ever episode, right, Robbie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there was some tears uh, and very little blood. Mm. Uh, okay. Blood month, blood, yeah, yeah, got that. Yeah, got the reference. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, sorry, gentlemen. Uh, just I keep rudely interrupting. No, 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 no please no. do, please do. Interrupting more. Interrupting now. Look, I have spoken too much so far. We 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 like to have guests for a reason. How do you, as a as an analyst, as an actual professional person, how do you look back on? Let's just take those last ten years since twenty eleven. How the game has changed since then. Goodness, I mean, that is a really good question because mm. obviously, famous in terms of like strength and conditioning, in terms of performance profiling, in terms of trend analysis, and everything that's come along with it. Like it's improved absolutely no end. I mean, for example, like you have new KPIs that are being measured. You know, it's not just now mm. post-tackle contact. It's about like smaller things. And also there's all these little trends going on right now about companies and like teams trying to work out the winning stats because, you know, you cannot often, you can have a teams, you know, making more line breaks, making more meters, you know, and they still lose the game. You know, they still lose the game. So it's incredibly getting far, far more data-driven in the fact that there's, and this is the way for most sport, like the second that more money gets involved, you know, you are going to have people trying to take every out little crumb of knowledge that you can. In that way, I think we're still very up much in the uh, in our infancy in terms of like analytics. You know, I know it sounds kind of crazy with all the technology we have. But for example, we've got like this software called Ritzo now, which is actually like where, for example, it goes into obviously if you're an analyst and you're giving feedback to a player and you're going, we had a three on two overlap here. This opportunity was on. And he goes, no, it wasn't on. You weren't there. Well, Ritzo actually allows VR it's actually allows wow. you to actually go into the perspective of the player. He'll map the opposition players and your player himself, and you'll be able to see exactly how much distance you had in between the how close you know the outside defender was to cutting off the pass. Wow, all that's these, incredible! All Can these, you use yeah. Rizzo with to get inside the mind of Zebra Fly Half Antonio Rizzo? <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, it was, it's, it's called something along those lines, but it, it was because I learned that when I was at Harbouring and we realized that a couple of other teams were taking it on. But obviously, it means that the player can then actually look, reflect, and because obviously bias and subjectivity and you sure. know, you know, everything, the pressures of the game can weigh on you. You know, here's, here's a question Do you ever have fun with that and sort of like pretend you were better at rugby than you were by like playing it as a video game? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time like uh oh yeah oh, i could throw this i could throw this i probably could have actually thrown the 15 minute cut out pass i probably could have <laughs> but, oh I've, I've oh i've got him opposite me so it's just it's a little bit uh yeah i mean him is usually every player who's obviously much bigger than me and much like would <laughs> gargantuan but so really it's yeah, it, it's really good training because the coaches can actually take their players, you know, like into the position and go, look, this is where decision making could be improved. That's only one element where we're improving, you know, because obviously a lot of the players go, you don't play anymore. You played in a bygone era where, you know, it's yeah. probably, as you say, rugby has completely changed. But tell that to, you know, like, you, know, yeah, you still get some players who come in, they're so good. They'll still, like Mike Cat, I remember him a couple of years ago doing like, you know, it was just a fun thing where England were trying to get a rugby ball bouncing to a bin off the ground. Mm. He comes in, just throws it and goes straight in first time. Everyone felt <laughs> like was throwing about 10, 15, 20 times, couldn't do it and getting really frustrated. So class is permanent. So in that case, so yeah, pretty good training tool. That's, that's genuinely have, so cool. You must have at some point though, just gone, you know, everyone else is on lunch. I'm just going to put myself into the Johnny Wilkinson drop goal. 
Of course. I mean, that is without doubt one of the most incredible. I mean, admittedly, it was passed to the wrong side, you know, mm. but passed it to the wrong side of um, him. So, because he, he says that, you know, he need, he'd missed him all on his left, give it go on his right, and Johnny's obviously left footed. But I mean, that's the greatest rugby moment of any English fan. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, Gone back to those times. Yeah. And didn't didn't you? Aren't I right in bringing up you played against Will Greenwood? No, no, I um, I no. played um, no, no, I um, okay, I put, never I, mind. I put, um, I put Jason Robinson in for a try once. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's and, even uh, better. That's, that's even better. That's a better story. Tell us, tell us all of it. Put us in the VR here, Connor. It was just like a, it was just a light touch. It was like a kind of touch kind of thing that we were doing. It was like a promotional thing, and um, I ended up like being like you know rfu emails kind of thing and like you know just kind of tagged along <laughs> and um you had like you had a uh, robo like out of my shoulder i remember just literally committing the inside shoulder of this um probably like this girl probably about 25 26 probably has been playing for a couple of years but literally just then spun it out and like robo walked over i'm like just, yes <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> magnificent you know i just put jason robson in for a try i'll, I'll take that i'll take that i would have cried yeah will greenwood is my absolute idol i mm. i've always I've, I've i mean i i looked a little bit like him growing up and on top of that i've got his very similar build so in a way like i just i always figured and i was always better with my hands probably than i was as a crash option but that's kind of why i just kind of yeah gravitated to following greenwood if i'm being yeah honest. yeah and you got to live as him did you were you like in your brain pretending it was wales and the quarter final again oh you had to bring that up you put him in <laughs> of course 2015 i think you're i meant to no i meant 2003 oh, oh I mean, sorry you, no, you know, 2003 you're, yeah you're no, putting sorry. jason Robert he was being around. nice though throwing I, I know i know i feel really bad <laughs> to pick there to be fair and you guys in that game you guys were absolutely ripping us apart like you know we were just like at sixes and sevens is the only way to put it and then we brought mike cat on and just totally and utterly, you know, changed the game. Totally and utterly changed the game. I mean, don't get me wrong, that Rodinson break was magnificent. You know, it was just majestic. But really, for me, Mike Cat came on, just another kicking option, just started putting kicks into like 50-22. So I think he may have managed about three, four, 50-22s in that game. Obviously, you know, Wales retained possession, but that's how good he was in that one. So, yeah, I thought, I'm not going to lie, when I saw that, I know obviously we're, talking about 1987 but when I saw that game I really thought that they, they kind of did under Ruddock but I thought if Hansen had stayed that Wales were just going to actually start tearing it up like in terms of mm. dynasty kind of level if I'm being honest after that game because it was just incredible rugby yeah yeah but then there's a lot of like there was a recent pretty good documentary on it called Slammed just on like the amount of infighting that went on within all of Wales yeah because uh, it's just so cultural that it's all you are fighting the next village and all of it's what Welsh rugby Twitter is so obsessed with fighting itself rather mm. than actually, you know, it's not like, like South African rugby Twitter is very good for all ganging up as one unit on whoever the enemy is that week. The enemy um, being somebody who doesn't say South well, African is the best very, player in the world. Used, for example. Yeah, like for a long time, it was everyone but Razi. And Lucan like Yuan, he was, he was okay. Busy. Yeah. Like Karen Ram was incredible. Like, oh. just, he's a big game player. I mean, just at, in the big games, he just shows up like in the yeah. big play, which is very annoying for me. Yeah. But also, <laughs> You've like, just developed so immunity violent. against South Africans for about 60 minutes oh, well, by saying I'm, that. Oh, God, probably, probably. Yeah, probably. But the thing is, he's, he's uh, that's the thing. I, I, the way that I look at it, I made an entire video describing the South African defensive system and going, mm. hey, you guys smashed it. So, you know, give credit. <laughs> So hopefully that makes up for any uh, like banter that I throw the way. <laughs>
Right. Shall we mention 1987? No. Good idea. Great. So, uh, Connor, how was your dinner? <laughs> I burned about five, six chicken wings and I ended up having nice. cheesy beans on toast because what? Oh, oh pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, uh, Robbie, I saw you just tweeted about the, mm. the, the, all, the thing of all of the whale squad announcing what the first meal they learned to cook was. Have you seen <laughs> so, this, Connor? So announcing oh, like no, it's no, a no, huge no, deal. I'm, I'm quite right. curious to see this though, actually, to be fair. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of beans on toast. Yeah. Um, few, you know, spaghetti bolognese or carbonaras. There's um, Louis Sammet speaking in future tense. Yes. Like, I intend to learn to make a spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, my dad was always eat your porridge, you know, like huge mm. porridge, tons of syrup and banana and stuff like that. And that was all grand. But I, now I just eat, I eat so much biltong. I eat so really? much. Really? <laughs> You're definitely in with the South Africans, aren't you? Yeah, well, no, I mean, it was because I was a couple of years ago, I was looking for a snack because I was getting really hungry on um, coming back from training and um, gym and stuff like that. Mm. And literally I started buying those really like expensive £2.50 bags of biltong, 25 mm. grams, and, like absolute extortion, like 25 grams, absolute extortion. So I ended up like literally finding butchers and like sampling from Amazon, you know, helping Jeff the Jeff Bezos's pension fund. But and literally it's finding the best one. So eventually, um, yeah, now I just go for a regular like two week trip to York, you know, like two week trip. Like I'll, I'll take a every two weeks I go there, pick up a kilo. I'll bring wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I love the thought that you have personally funded Jeff Bezos' exhibition to space. Yeah. <laughs> Via love for Biltong, yeah. The, the highlight of that video was, as Robbie, you pointed out on Twitter, mm. Tame Basham saying that once his parents went away and he had roughly 50 uh, cheese and ham toasties in a week, which means seven plus per day. <laughs> But it is like, it's like, you know, when I was ill last year and I had to take my tablets every four hours, but like you've got to schedule those <laughs> but toasties. But that's kind of compulsory, not voluntary in a way. <laughs> yeah. him they were. He was a grown boy. He was wanting to play rugby. You know, I know he played when he was a kid on a field next to the horse stables and often the horse would run onto the pitch. He needed to, he needed to scare the horses off. He needs to have ham and cheese toast. I'm actually like Paddington. He, keep, he kept one of his yes. scrum cap at all times. It's roughly one every three hours. It really reminds me of... You remember that guy who went viral for saying that he had a diet of just fish and rice cakes? He was on television and he'd say, oh, at 12 o'clock I'll have my fish, and then at 2 o'clock I'll have my fish, and then I'll have it with a rice cake. And at 4 o'clock I'll have fish, <laughs> and then at 6 o'clock I'll have fish and a rice cake. And he, he just kept going like that every two hours. And now that guy is shredded, man. He's shreddies. Yeah, is he? Shredded. Like genuinely, he's he, like I've seen him on Instagram, and he is massive. When you say shredded, do you mean like he's like a scaly fish because he is what he eats? He's like one of like when you see a fish bones, <laughs> and it's like it's, he's been shredded. He's lost all of the fish off his bones. He oh, must have played havoc with his digestive system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, used to it. Yeah, but I mean, clearly he was very invested in whatever training plan he was given. If he was willing to go to those lengths, so fair play mm-hmm. to him. It would have been better if, like, I'd ba- uh, ripped out, like, and that man is Charlie Yules or something like that. But yeah. alas, no. I always kind of got involved in the fact, I mean, when I was, there was this little co-op just around the corner, like, when I was walking mm. back. Um, and they used to have, like, this huge, like, full fat, like, litre of milk kind of thing. And it had proud sponsor of Ulster Rugby used by Ulster Rugby. And I was like, 
yes <laughs> so easily won over it was like training there we go you know just downing literally a, this oh, one's for you andrew I, trimble yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, milk. I have <laughs> drunk my pint of milk and i am now Stuart mccloskey <laughs> It's a very short transition, but you could say that about uh, Orlando Bloom. Thank God that never happened. But um, <laughs> what? No, Orlando Bloom. There was this. Well, I'm kind of hoping you don't get the reference, but there was this whole film like where it, literally he was like a boxer, uh, the most unboxing like mm. celebrity I could ever imagine starring in a boxing film. And his secret is having a glass of milk a day. <laughs> oh. I've had like something m- cups of milk a day every day since I was like free. And apparently <laughs> it's like it developed like, this kind of superhuman ability for him to hit harder, which is just ridiculous. I'm not gonna lie to you, that sounds like a horrible film. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And like look, this is this is a film podcast. People yeah. uh have been critical of the lack of film chat lately. Yeah, too much I, 87 chat, they say. And generally I am happy to watch almost anything. I have absolutely no interest in watching a boxing movie of Orlando Bloom. I really don't like Orlando Bloom. Do uh, I? I think he is the blandest screen presence imaginable. I think more like Orlando man. Bland. I have what? said that before. I'm sure he's um, a nice guy, but what presence oh. does he have? Like in Kingdom of Heaven, when he's doing that rallying speech for like you know for the knights, I'm like, literally, I I, I wouldn't follow you into it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't follow you anywhere. Like, seriously, it's just, I wouldn't follow you into a brewery that was having a really <laughs> great, awesome party with every, everything involved and on the house. I wouldn't, a biltong I would, available. I would trust <laughs> your ability to, to, for me to have a good time in there to enjoy I've my- also there just realised I should have said Orlando Bloom, but never mind. There are, there, are, there are moments in, like, Pirates of the Caribbean where it'll cut, there'll be, like, a like a hot, passionate scene between him and Kira Knightley, and you're thinking, like, why is Kieran Knightley making out with like a wardrobe? Because he is <laughs> thoroughly wooden. He is he is the blandest. I mean, there's, there's, there was a film and I forgot what it's called. It had like a really generic title. Uh, I saw it in the cinema a few years ago. It was a spy movie with Numi Rapace in the lead. Was role. it called James Bond? Um, really generic was, title. It was called yes, James Bond and the Nice Day Out. It was yeah, like a. It, it was called. Like, it's a good question. What does Bond I'm, I'm do on his day now, off? I'm, thinking, I'm sad now because I'm thinking of No Time to Die. But anyways, continue. <laughs> I mean, no, I that look that is the Bond movie I'd be interested in making is Bond when he doesn't have anything to do and he's just hanging around the house and he's just waiting there and he's really really bored. Uh, that is more interesting to me than an actual spy movie. But uh, that says a lot about my tastes. So yeah, this really, du- this really like actually quite good new Mirapa spy movie, and I was pretty engaged, I'm pretty into it. And then about forty minutes in, Orlando Bloom comes in, who's another agent, he just turns up, and inside five minutes, I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I slept for about twenty minutes through this film that I was enjoying until he turned up, because I just find him the most boring man in the world. It's, he's he's going to live. Orlando Bloom's going to live. <laughs> Even when he plays, like he's playing. I mean, before he was in Lord of the Rings, my I used to spend my summers um in Suffolk, <clears throat> uh, a lot of them. And uh, my nan like would be playing out literally over the fields, like doing all kind of like you know we used to try and roll hay, b- hay bales down a hill and like and run on top of them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was very very edgy <laughs> for, for being ten. But my nan would like invite literally after she would be back by nine o'clock and then literally she'd have dinner on one of those beautiful trays and she'd put an episode of Midsummer Murders. And obviously hmm. I had no idea who Orlando Bloom was at this point, but he was in an episode of Midsummer Murders before mm-hmm. he actually got the legless gig. 
and I'm just watching it and I'm thinking this guy is trying so hard to be like bad like good bad he's trying to pull off a good bad guy mm. and it's just like you just want to kind of pat him on the head and go bless you for <laughs> yeah. trying literally that and he's like literally is he grabs this bloke by, by the scruff of the neck he's like have you got that, Jack? Literally like that. It's in that voice that he has, but I can't begrudge his voice. He just can't really pull it off. I'm just and really we- glad we're making really good use of the rugby analyst we've got on this week. <laughs> hey, I'm fine with this conversation. To be fair, I have to talk about rugby and do rugby all day, every day. So this is good to branch out, to be fair. God, tell me about it. Should we mention the game? Should we do that? I think it's about time. We're sure. probably 20 okay. minutes in. So the today's game is Argentina's win over Italy. Argentina's first ever World Cup win after losing to Fiji early in the competition. Italy, also the first time they've not started the game with Stefano Gazzoni at fullback, <laughs> which is basically... The Domio man. Yeah, basically the same as playing a game for the first time. So yeah, so it's a it's a pretty important game because whoever loses this is completely out of World Cup contention. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure if they were doing the third place automatically qualifies for the following World Cup at this point. But if so, let's know, face it, they didn't plan place. that far ahead. I oh, think yeah. they made a, they conceptualized this World Cup about three days before it started. I just so, love the amateurism about it, though. To be fair, like you know, part of me like likes seeing like just the. I mean, that's the thing when you try and analyze that. Like, I could, there's no shape. There was no nothing. It was just so, so, so loose. In a way, I kind of miss those days because it allowed for absolutely chaotic rugby. But simultaneously, it's like, I was just looking at some of the stuff and like so many knock-ons, so many skip. Like, you do kind of underestimate how much we've progressed as like, you know, in terms yeah. of playing. Like, you, I, I think a good level five team level level six team would well i'm pretty sure they would smash you know the majority yeah. of those world cup teams if i'm being honest i was saying like i think it's probably a similar standard to the under 15s team i coach and i think that's probably genuine because of like the level of sort of catch pass that even amateur players are at now and like just modern shape it doesn't even need to be yeah. professional i mean that, that, that i mean one of the guys who, who was actually my nomin one of my nominations for dick of the day was uh, the Pumas 13, Cuesta Silva. Mm, and he's mm. not like, like Parcera, high tackle, you know, 28-56, fumble, ruins, entire backline move. But then he made the fir- he made the Pumas first try and made yeah. it break before halftime on the counter, so it kick return. So it's like... It's, oh, it's completely impossible in any of these games in 87 to tell whether someone's having a good game. Right. So I I wrote down, so to to briefly touch upon the Argentine team. So Mm. they had Sebastian Salvat at fullback, who you touted before, Robbie, is like a player that you thought was quite promising. He was 20 years old. Yeah, I really liked him in that first game. So uh, in the first 10 minutes, he'd made two knock-ons and kicked two balls out in the fall. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a tally of how many mistakes he'd made. And I'd got to half an hour and decided he was having quite a good game. I mean, I, I had written down about 10 minutes in, just in my notes, Salva, I trusted you. <laughs> <laughs> because, as you say, he kicks the he knocks the ball on twice. One, one is a high ball, one under no pressure when they've got space out wide, and he's in the kind of like traditional 13-ish position. And yeah. if he gives it to his winger, he's got a nice run. Just knocks it on, just drops it under no pressure, kicks the ball out twice. 
and in on the fall. And boy, he keeps on that going in the second half as well. Yeah, um, yeah, he loves it. And he was so good and so solid. And there was something really <laughs> novel about seeing a fullback in 1970 who could catch a high ball. Mm. I was just very excited. Both by him. him and Daniele and... Tibaldi, who like who could catch a ball so well that I'm pretty sure he got penalised for catching one in the second half. So yeah, so I mean, we mentioned touching on the teams. Yes, uh, Italy do make the change of Stefano Grazzoni, who was off a connor. Jimmy had it, but the opening game, Italy had a fullback who looked like the Dormio man from the adverts, <laughs> who dropped every high ball he tried to take, and at one point caught the ball behind his own trial line after New Zealand kicked it dead, and then in the process of putting it down, knocked it on, and he was glorious. And they conceded uh, a try 20 seconds later. He was phenomenally dumb and fun to watch. Yeah, I um, miss him already. And they have, quite understandably, dropped him. He will never win another international cap. He <laughs> never plays for Italy again. Uh, yeah, Daniele Tibaldi, who is unfortunately of no relation to Tito Tibaldi. No, he's his uncle. He's Tito's he's his uncle. uncle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Of some relation, but not the relation I Googled to yes. Tito Tibaldi. He comes in and Oscar Collado who played 12 against the All Blacks, mm. moves into 10 because, boy, he had such a good game. Uh, <laughs> I just can't see. I, I don't understand how you can judge if someone... I mean, you have your standard KPIs, but there was so much... I can't even describe it. It's just every, <laughs> something everywhere. You know, it's like... Your hand gestures at, did do it justice. At 24.09, you had Lanze, like Italian 11, literally taking a pass, literally two metres from the line and just hitting into touch, like Luke Cowan Dickey style. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, so, are swear on the pod? Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to say words that aren't swear words on the pod. But so Juan Lanza played the previous game for Argentina and we both gave him dick of the day, right, Robbie? Yes. Because he twice got the ball and ran backwards sort of 10, 15 metres plus. And so they've decided, you know what? We want to drop him, but they don't know who to drop him for because he has an identical twin competing for his position. So they pick them both and oh. hope for the best. Well, it's, yeah, it, it went so badly last time. What if we put two of them in and see if they cancel each other out? You know, maybe the problem was you didn't have enough Lanza. Uh, Connor, I've just sent are. you the video of him running backwards, just, just, just for, your, for your viewing pleasure later on. Okay, I will. But yeah, they, they put two of him in, and uh, they're Grant pretty Nisbet much the same result. says when he's going through the teams, if you want to tell them apart, just check their jersey numbers, which has been his strategy on commentary ever since. Um... <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Curry twins. You know, you can never have enough Curry. I'm still wondering... Like, <laughs> I'm still wondering when Ben Curry's going to... I don't think he will, to be fair. But um, it would be... Not for a while, at least. But that's... A, that's Sorry, I'm sidetracking. I'm no, sidetracking. no, 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 no. Please, please. Please, please keep sidetracking. Please. And I, swearing. Genuinely. I can't, talk, I can't really talk about England matters is the unfortunate situation. But uh, Of like, course. Yeah, but um, in terms of like the night... Who was your dick of the day for this game then? For Italy? Oh, um, we'll, we'll reveal at the end of the day. At the end of the episode. I didn't, I didn't realise... But That's I okay. do need to say one thing. Did you see the, um, I think it was Gabriel Travaglini. He does like a Mac Hansen. Off, yes, know, yes. It does get gets taken out, but that was like 22 minutes. That was magnificent. Like just, it goes, I don't understand what the hell, Um, I forget what team it was. Was it Argentina just kept kicking long restarts and they just kept going Both there. teams, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so at one point, Collado, the Italian 10, Takes like he properly takes like a long run up and wellies the restart as far as he can, and it goes between the posts. Yes, like, it's the first time I've ever seen as that. though it's going to be three points. 
And like the thing is, right, by 60 minutes into the game, he had got the ball through the post from as many restarts as actual penalty shots at goal. And he's had <laughs> seven shots at goal. Yeah. It's just it's just a little bit like it's just you know, I, I do believe to a certain extent, like everything is cyclic. I mean, you do see mm. certain things that that's the thing, like defenses adapt after a while. For, um, for example, they adapt for the wide-wide play and therefore rush defence starts coming to the fore. But then you get France, as you said in your video switch, you know, like, oh, Robbie, where, like, France, do that, those pick-and-goes off first phase and they're just going up the guts. And rush defence can't do anything there. You know, it, it, can't, it can't force you back. It can't do anything. And then you've got, like, like Joe Schmidt, a.k.a. God, uh, basically <laughs> just, you know, like, his, you know, Leinster team bringing back, like, a bunch of old wallaby moves from the late 90s and ripping apart, like, ripping apart I think it was his Leinster team ripping apart Northampton like with a standard like Key, Key and Healy try you know in 2012 or it may have been Rassing they're up against but it was just like all those moves that are totally and utterly like kind of like you know stuff that's been found so far in the past that's not really thought of or defences aren't built for it anymore and then yeah, yeah. suddenly you know you bring them back and they're really effective I, I do maybe they need tweaking don't get me wrong but mm. I, that's one thing that I was looking back at this and like you see some moves from like the, the Italian team where like it's just for example 10 passes to 12 and 10 cuts in under him takes a short like almost like league style line off and like hopefully mm. you know 10s 12s running quite an inside running a line to target inside shoulders and that opens the gap just outside for um 10 to take the receipt off him but it's like that kind of stuff there you got to think the catch-up defense would often work and snuff it out now but if you've got like a player like Jamie Roberts or Manu Turalangi like screaming down like against the grain and like holding that inside causing the speed you know causing the um, congestion it it can happen I still think it's quite especially when you've got Jamie Roberts actually holding the ball in two hands towards him you know you can't go anywhere you know Mm. that's interesting the other thing that I noted along similar lines was you know the way the way people pass the ball back in the 80s that kind of like ball out in front of them and that kind of like shipping yeah. it on. Yeah, and it's not- still spam, but it was odd. It's very different to how, you know, you're kind of taught to pass now. Yeah, from the hip. From that, from now, it's like you don't cock your arm, it's from the hip, you know, like, yeah, mm. like set a step. And for that, it was very flaily. It was, it was almost yeah. like they were trying to get their arms through, you know, a tackle and like have it in a position where they could just pop past, which I disagree with entirely, by the way. I can't disagree with that enough. The coach tried to tell me once, you know, put your arms through the tackle and then pop. I'm like, no, no, you need to win the collision if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, but, so there's there's one pass that Martin Yangula, the, the, who comes in at nine for Argentina to win his only cap for, for, for his country. Wow. He goes wow. off injured after about an hour. Which must be gutting for him. Yeah, I really, really felt for the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this is the only cap he ever won, uh, and it was in a you know big game in the World Cup. At one point, he throws this like incredibly flat pass that is great and cuts out two men in a way that would be really difficult to throw with kind of modern passing technique. But because he was good at the really weird and less effective technique that they used, at yeah, the time, sure, because like the trajectory of the ball, especially with the yeah. leather ball. Yeah. There was that brief phase in, around like 2012 where people started doing the kind of end over end pass that came in the rugby league because it mm. cut through the wind better. And you saw like Ashton did it, Carnfort to Ali used to do it quite a lot. And they'd often do it for like from pickups and they kind of like flick the ball over so it span a bit, but end over end, like as though it was a grubber or something, but through the air. And I, I wonder if there's like occasionally that kind of pass coming in. Uh, yeah. It won't be very effective, but it's just like th- there are situations in which that could be useful. It's true. 
I mean, you've got like, for example, an incomplete pass where a pass gets thrown now and it, you know, hits the ground and it's collected. Mm. It can be so dangerous because the second yeah. it hits the ground, the entire state defending team stand off. They're like, "Whoa, what, what's going on here?" You know, like it's it's, it's, it's like it's undefendable. Yeah, it, exactly. It breaks it breaks what they're used to. It breaks pattern, and uh, yeah, I suppose. Um, I'm kind of curious as what innovations will kind of come in. And I'm still waiting. When I, when I was younger, I had this idea of like, you know, you've got lifters. Like, so, you know, you've got the 13, you know, the huge blitz out, cuts out the outside options. Imagine a flat option and you had a lifting pod. I don't know if it's even legal, but you had a lifting pod in the middle of the play. So literally it goes to like a free pod. Yes. Turn that you lift it up and then he passes over. Like, so the so say for example, you've got the 13 there rushing up like, and he's there. Basically gets lifted there. And then passes over the thirteen to like a guy coming in off the straight line. Robbie, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. So basically, Connor, we, me and Robbie for a while said that one day we're going to coach the Barbarians together is, as a this duo. This has been like a and, ten-year plan. We've been yeah, talking about yeah. This. And I've just realised right this second we need to get you in on this. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if it's even legal, but because imagine like your, your defensive team and suddenly you've got Maratoje being lifted up in the air, facing up was like. <laughs> The absolute thing just passes over flat, ob- flat obviously, but someone coming straight through and lifting pods open up so many options for backline moves. Yeah, That's all I'll say. Or about trying to f- like if you get a lifting pod to throw a player over the defensive line, <laughs> <laughs> see if it would work. I'm talking basically. <laughs> get the beast out yeah, of retirement. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, you've got to get like the beast and Naikani, like two yeah, of them, yeah, yeah. like insanely strong props who can then like throw them quite cleanly over the top. And you probably need it to be quite a light, agile play. You need it to be someone like Shane has to be a winger or in yeah. gymnastics. Uh, yeah. There must be more of those players out there. I think Oli Hassel Collins might have a background. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Can't pick you know. him though. Plays London Irish. Yeah, but yeah, I I think there's something in that. I think there's something yeah. in. Uh, uh, chucking lifting pods. and look, and general uh, lifting pod moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 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 a lot that we'll we'll have to get into. I mean, we can't reveal too many of them on the podcast because otherwise, what if, what if our opposition do team analysis by going, oh, their coaches did you know seventy plus episodes of a podcast about old world cups? Listen to all of them to find out any potential backline moves they might do. And all you have to do is really go back to the Otago days of like maybe about ten years ago and mm-hmm. just look at the crazy stuff they were pulling and just bring it out i think that's what joe schmidt did to be honest he'd just look at my t- he'd just look at my t- 10 games and like, like pick oh i like that i like that i really like noted that retirement yeah yeah any examples anything that stands out from your mind yeah there was thing is i can actually i'm probably gonna have to bring it up on youtube actually is the thing okay like, so whilst you're getting that up there's a moment quite early on in this game where the game kicked off at around 12 30 new zealand time uh, local time the commentator says you know what i think i might stick around for the end of this game and not go for lunch at two o'clock wait he said he, did the he commentator says i missed that. that the commentator said after about five minutes this looks to be quite a good game i think i'm going to stick around and watch the end of it that Mate, is, you're being paid, paid to watch paid it to commentate you're getting paid to be a rugby commentator like do you realize how privileged your job is you get put up at some of the best hotels courtesy of broadcast companies you oh, like it really makes me appreciate clive woodward because at least he sticks around to the game he's paid to watch <laughs> at least he watches that one even if he hasn't seen another rugby match since the last six nations i have respect for clive woodward for what he did for no free but hmm. what i do not have is he said and i quote 2019 England versus New Zealand. That is the best I've seen England play in 10 years. A year later, 
Ireland versus England 2019 was the best I've seen England play in 10 years. And that was with Farrell at 10 and Manu Tuolangi at 12. And obviously, you know, my opinions on George Ford, you know, my, my, yeah, my, yeah. my, my longings. But the thing is, it's, <laughs> but it's just, it's just, sincerely, it just kind of annoys me how you, you could take an AI bot. In, I'm not, with the stuff that he actually brings to commentary, you could probably bring so much more, but you could take an AI bot to commentary, program him with like, for example, 10, 12 axis. You've got to go nil-nil mm-hmm. in at scoreline. Two playmakers. Nil-nil uh, <laughs> start, the, start of the second half. And that would be it. That would be the <laughs> oh. analytical input, which is you, such a waste. You could also program the bot to have watched a Worcester game and he might know who a few <laughs> of the players are. That's kind of that. Oh, him not, knowing the, Ollie Lawrence, not knowing Ollie Lawrence is... Him at the weekend saying, apparently there's a lad called Barberry at Wasp who's quite good. Barberry. He, he's questioning Barberry. He said, apparently there's a he lad... He said, apparently called, he yeah. exists. So... Clive Woodward is vaguely in the knowledge that Alfie Barbary exists. Barbary and then he always, is... he's constantly writing these columns saying like, oh, and the team I'd pick for England would be Danny Cipriani at 12. And then I'd put Freddie Burns at 13. And... Martin Johnson in the row. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Best on the wing. Um, <laughs> and it's constantly ridiculous stuff he never would have done. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I think I got, I think, I think I found it. I'm sorry. Ooh, I, think I found it. I think I found it. I was literally searching for ages. It just says amazing set piece. Wait, is this it? This is it, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. We're going to so, commentate uh, in the style of Clive Woodward. Wait, no, no, I'll tell you what. Oh, I know the one you're about to show me. <gasps> yes, I do know that try. So, it's like when a dummy we... switch, dummy sw- inside loop play, you know, like... With you know, the guy turning his back. Drunken, followed by a drunken spider. Oh, sorry, um, <laughs> you know, 12, pass at 10, passing 12, 12, pass back to 10, 10 passes to, you know, standard loop. Yeah. New Zealand used to run all the time. So uh, when I when I was in Colts, we were coached by an Australian like rugby league guy with that kind of background who tried to teach us that move, and it went horribly every single time, <laughs> and always ended with the twelve like having his back folded in half because he turned it to the defense. Yeah, and simplicity is often the key with rugby moves. I think like simple yes. ones well. It's I mean don't get me wrong, it's just so flashy and so, it looks so. It's nice. fun to watch when it exactly, when it comes off, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, like speaking none of, of this Argentina. Yes, yeah, speaking of fun to watch for completely different reasons. What about the Catita try? The Italian oh. Catita try. Their, I think it was their second oh. try. It was the most simple thing I've ever seen. It was basically just they maybe had a cut, they had like almost a second wave come from behind, but I think that was totally by accident. It was literally <laughs> in front of the man. And uh, Catita like beat about three defenders on the wing. Mm. Oh, it was an unbelievable finish, wasn't it's it? Lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. Tibaldi kind of like dummy and go through a gap. None of this, like, Stefano Grazzoni randomly dropping the ball and then booting it 20 no. yards. Yeah. Shit. Like, why, why did they keep on booting? They got to the edge and they didn't want to return. Every time. It was like they just boosted it sky high. I mean, but like, I genuinely think at this point it was just wingers are afraid of contact. Like, yeah. I think the Lambda Twins in particular are terrified there's, of contact. There's a lot, of, a lot of that. There's a big trend in that in this whole World Cup, to be fair. All back three players. Like, if somebody puts a grubber on, along the floor, instead of fielding I mean, it and taking contact, they'll usually boot it into Dutch. Just it hack happens. It, like, hack it out. Baldy does it. He regathers a grubber and he's got about 10 metres before the opposition chase gets up to him. Yeah. And he just kicks it straight out on the full, two metres in front of him. Yeah. And you yeah. could have taken contact. You could have tried to kick it in field. You could have done literally anything else, and it would have been a better option. Yeah, than that. yeah. With so talking about the other the changes that Italy made. So yeah, you mentioned Katita playing on the wing with Massioletti is the other one 
um, yes. who stands out for good and bad reasons, I think, because like you see, you see him get the ball, and when he takes off, you go like, "Oh, okay, he's the danger man," because he's evidently very fast, but clearly useless at everything else. Uh, knocked on so much, like yeah. That's do you reckon? Do you really reckon that the wingers? And the sense, like obviously in rugby, you have your predefined roles. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon that these guys actually like had these roles, or they were told just the game? Like seriously, it was it just so amateur that it's just yeah. kind of hard to keep. Like I, he is in the completely wrong position. He should not be there. You know, it's basically that for half of it. And kind of, I understand if they want to be fluid and you know total rugby and all that principle, but. I just didn't understand half, but it just made no very little sense to me. I mean, at one point in the first half, Hugo Porter goes for a cross kick because there mm. is so much space, uh, and this is inside the twenty-two. Uh, it goes for a cross kick because there's so much space in the the Italian line, but the winger has not held his depth at all and has to sprint from a few yards outside. He's, and he's in probably the end, about you know, thirty Lanza... meters in field, isn't he? When he should yeah. be on the touchline. He, if he is on the touchline, it's the easiest try to have a score. Yeah. As it is, he still gets the ball first, but he knocks it on because he's afraid... It's still a sitter that he misses. As well. Oh, absolutely, should have scored it. Yeah. I think Cotita actually plays quite well. I think he looks yeah. like, you know, he is still, if he's all-time top try scorer, he still holds that record, which is rare. I did not know play that. That far back in the amateur, yeah. he's still holding records like that. That is rare. Um, wow. But... And I think he actually does look like quite a well-rounded player. He does, he does, yeah. There's the very first thing that kind of happens in the game is that Argentina kick to touch and then Italy get the the first line out. And then they stand collectively as a back line so deep that they actually catch all of the balls that they throw and they manage to successfully get to the wing. And it's like, that's basically the first time we've seen it in this whole World Cup and we're like 10 games in. Just standard catch and pass. Yeah, yeah. that you've got players like, for example, the commentator, I remember him going, oh, they're running onto the, this is how Italy, the backs are playing really well. They're running onto the ball. I'm like, okay, okay, that, that's, that, that's, that's a world class, that's a world class, that's a world class <laughs> backline trait, being able to catch a run onto the ball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair you one. can do what an underage team can. Now yeah. go and play the all blacks. But another thing that I love which happened just after this was Grant Nisbet on the commentary saying, uh, in fact, no, it wasn't. Do you know who, who was the co-commentator? Uh, it's our friend Earl again. Earl, Earl, our oh, good old Earl, said, um, oh, I'm quite enjoying this. We haven't seen a ball kicked yet. And he said that after there'd already been two kicks. <laughs> yeah, two of them out on the full. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you paying attention? No, because he's looking at his lunch he needs to get. He's not getting his lunch at two o'clock now. He's going to get it while the game's on. Do you reckon it was that early. amateur that no one gave a fuck? Like, well, that's fine. <laughs> you know, just, just, just go, you know, like we don't need you as long as we've got someone in here. <laughs> I mean, I kind of lost track of a lot of the game. And I think that's kind of showing in the how this is going. It, yeah, but there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like just little niggly stuff in the first half. Mm. It's a high I tackle mean, by De Silva. Like that, you'd get red carded immediately for that. He literally yeah. rips his, you know, Grabs his scruff, by his scruff and sends him momentum, sends the guy flying halfway in the air. Oh, there's a moment after the after a scrum where uh, an Argentine, the Argentine flanker, Chaveo, dives on the ball as it's coming out of the number eight's feet, the Italian number eight, Zanon's feet, of, of no relation to Marco Zanon. Uh, and Innocente, the Italian captain, and now the president of the Italian rugby union, Correct. dives in on him a few seconds later after the penalty's been blown 
elbows him in the face. Something then happens that you can't quite see because the body's obscuring it. And he comes up holding his bl- his jaw, which looks like it's bleeding. <laughs> so something happens after he elbows his opposite number in the face. And we don't know what. Yeah. And there's there's at least three punches that go in oh, yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. the game. Uh, like there's... Trav- yes. Travaglini, like he, he got penalised. Like you just see it as a blatant as hell. Like, you know, he's, it happens so often in the rock, but it's just never seen. But <laughs> yeah, is. yeah. Right hook, right in front of the referee as well, and the touch yeah. judge. And it's a penalty. Penalty yeah. only. No more. No more. Oh, the glory uh, days. The other thing about Argentina, so as I mentioned, we had a scrum off last week who could barely pass, and was very good at sniping, but could barely pass. Uh, and this week, yeah, Martin Languia comes in for his first and only cap. The reason, of course, was that Argentina's first choice scrum off, their best scrum off, who was apparently a real like class player, refused to fly. Uh, uh, he was definitely terrified of flying, so would only play tests that took place in Argentina. A Catalan Furku situation. Yep. So refused to leave Argentina, leaving Hugo Porter stuck with this like trail of nothing. Oh man, he could never catch anything. You feel for Porter, don't you, man? That's yeah, that's unfortunate. Should we have talk about sort of the chronology of like the scores in the game? So there's pe- penalties exchanged. Collado has, as you mentioned, Robbie earlier, that he has quite a lot of shots at goal. I mean, he is that, one from five at half time. Yeah, that are unsuccessful. But Porter is looking twice the player he did in the previous yes. game. He still sk- skids well, a drop goal and a penalty along the floor. Of but, course, he does. Of course uh, he does. It was 1987. What are you expecting? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, like, his first touch is he throws a pass that goes horrendously behind the guy he's passing to. Yeah. And yeah. I did think, like, oh, was Hugo Porter just shit? Yeah. Was he like, was he just not that good? And he's not. He actually does play. No, very he pulls well, it generally. back and he, he does, um, he scores, scores, scores with, with quite difficult penalties as well. With everything we were saying about it's difficult to tell if someone's playing well, having now watched 10 games of this, yes. I'm starting to come around to the fact that Hugo Porter has. An all right game, yeah, yeah. Mauro Gordon, uh, the Italian, the Italian lock, I think it was. Mm. Just the work rate, got to give credit where credit's due. You know, don't get me wrong, like it's not hard. You know, the, <laughs> the, the 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 pack is just in one congested blob in the middle, and the yeah. back line is assembled around it. Like what was it like five, six man clearouts? But I've respected four because he was always the one that when the ball was going wide, he was the one sprinting to get closest mm. to it. You know, you got to give credit for the unseen work that. Oh, absolutely. Done there. I love the fact that if you were to take the kind of modern formations and to look at it and go like, okay, at times where was an island when a one three two two? You've got Crusaders running a two four two. Italy and Argentina here were both running an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Eight zero 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 zero. I mean, I used to run us when I was when I was younger. It was a seven one, basically, or something like <laughs> that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, to be honest, we've covered probably the majority of the important things in the first half, but I think my favourite moment in the first half, in fact, there's two favourite moments in the first half. One of them is Collado's penalty, where Innocenti doesn't... It's about 45 metres out from the try line, right near the corner, sort of near, near the touchline and Innocenti doesn't once negotiate with his kicker to ask if he wants to take the penalty he just signals straight to the referee like yes he's going to kick this over regardless of whether or not he wants to because he is my child and Collado just nails it it's like oh fair play <laughs> didn't see that one coming I mean there's a moment in the second half where as I say from being one from five I think one from six at this point yeah they go for goal and I kind of I genuinely put my head in my hands <laughs> And I, I was just sort of going, I was like, why are we doing, what are we doing, what are we doing, what am I doing, why, why am I watching this? And then he nails it. It's always when you least expect it, yeah, he pulls out the a moment kick. I, the moment you've given up completely is when he finally gets one. Yeah, and he's clearly got a big boot on him. Yeah, which is the problem. <laughs> Look, if you can nail the ball between the post from a restart, yeah. you can learn to kick accurately. I'm just thinking, imagine if you did see that, like you just saw like a, a you just saw that and like, oh, that's a, that's a throwback to the 87 days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely get now, because at the start of this, we were surprised when the ball from a kickoff going out on the fall, going dead was, yeah. or even going over the, you know. Yeah, it was a 22, wasn't it? 22. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't yeah. A, was, I was like. You, you could see why they changed that rule. Yeah. 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 Considering, I think there's what maybe like ten restarts in this game, and maybe eight of them are kicked deliberately dead. Yeah, and the number of scrum feeds that you had going on, like mm. I mean, just like you got to miss the scrums where it's just there was no crouch bind, you know, set anything <laughs> like that. It's just like let's just go. <laughs> so there's a point where. The, uh, the Italian hooker, Galazzo, he clearly sees the, uh, uses a kind of tactic to slow himself down to catch his breath because he put, he binds around his loose head and then his tight head's saying, come on, come to me. And he goes, no, 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 give me a second. Because evidently, as soon as he puts his arm around his tight head, they have to then engage or something mm. like that. And he, he says, no, 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 give me a second, give me a second it's, to maybe put the Argentines off or something. I don't know. the original but... break foot. The what? Never mind. Well, the Kit Kat, the Kit Kat call that apparently has been going around the US. Oh yeah, yeah. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. Fake an injury. <laughs> <laughs> the other favourite part of the first half that I was going to mention was at one point Sebastian Salvat makes a line break from throwing a nice dummy from on a kick return, but <laughs> it's after the ninth pass of the movement without a single ruck. Because they spread it wide, left, and then back right, and then back to the middle. All before there's been a tackle made. Was uh, just... this in the twenty-two? Was this in the own yes. Yeah, it yeah, was. yeah, yeah. It was like it was like the last phase of elite of the of league. You know, yeah. Like, it was like crazy. And eventually, I think, I think Italy had decided that they were so committed to passing every ball that the dummy just wasn't an option because like, the guy seems to have Salvat lined up all right. But mm. it, it must be like, you know, you're playing a rugby video game and you you think you've heard that somebody pressing the right-hand pass button. You yeah. think you've heard that that click of the button and you think, right, I'm going to drift onto the next guy now. But nope, Salvat goes straight through despite seemingly being marked. <laughs> I mean, there is one other thing that happens towards the end of the first half. Oh, yes. 
where I got so excited because there's been so many times in this World Cup, as we mentioned about like fullbacks just putting the ball out for no reason, people yeah. just like not caring about possession, people not diving on it. Finally, it gets penalised that we have Mario Pavan, the Italian number six, just after a loose ball, randomly hacks it into touch from midfield. And the ball goes out, at which point Juan Lanza is ready and he is waiting. And he throws it quickly to Diego Cuesta Silva, who makes a really quite lovely break, weaves in, weaves out, draws the fullback perfectly and puts Lanza over for a try. Finally, someone... competence by Lanza. Yeah. I have I mean, that as my favourite moment. That yeah. I was talking about that quick, the quick line out, you know, from uh, the Silva had a bad game in so many ways, but he just made some really good reads in fairness because it was almost like that crusaders try remember i think it was against the blues where you know literally you just had like the bloke at the line out and then just literally like last second you know comes straight through takes that short bus oh yeah yeah yeah. that that's probably gonna become a thing now to be fair though i do think that quick line out you know especially after what scotland did against yeah yeah Yeah. you get that feeling it's innovations like that are gonna get i'm sorry yeah yeah Yeah. no 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 but you win we're kind of lucky that Wales cut it off so well the following week. Mm. They'll probably slow that down because there was an instant show of how you'd stop this. Sure, yeah. And I, I think because in 1987, before they did the quick throw as we know it, it was basically just as long as it goes straight and five, you can take your line out at any time. Anyone can throw it. Oh, I know mm. they still can now, but like uh, that's the only real conditions, even if the opposition aren't set. So I wonder if there will be in future, people sort of playing with the law books interpretations on that. I've always wondered if we'd start to see at some point more scrum half throwing in. Yeah. Um, you know, scrum half throws in because they'll be, they're usually the most accurate passer in the team anyway. So it's not the massive yeah, stretch. Like in sevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they can run around and you don't have to double up, you know, they yeah. can run out into position. I don't know. It's a, it's a thought. It's a, it's a thought that it's probably a long way off happening. If it ever does happen, it probably won't. Unless we coach the barbarians. In which case, we'll get round this by just playing like Hermain Kessler at Scrum Half. Yeah. Just pick a random tier two hooker, put him in at Scrum Half, and hope for the best. Who would be your Um, Barbar's team now then? Oh, mate. How long have you got? How long have you got? I mean, tell you what, give me one point. Hit me. So we have an ongoing document. Give me a position, and I'll give you the players we have currently jotted down as potential Barbars for this squad. Four. Four. Okay, that's, I think, a very good choice. So our second row for the Barbarian, our Dream Barbarian squad, Harjo Snyman, Darcy Swain. Yes. Federico Rutza, because you've got... He gets if, carried away. If there's a lock who sometimes takes it at the front of a free pod and grubbers it, you've got to pick him in your Barbar squad. Yeah. Mick O'Driscoll. <laughs> out of retirement. <laughs> I was about, yeah. He, he, did, <laughs> he did it, it before. He the did it once. Strategy card, and let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> Roman Sazi, the La Rochelle captain, who's been going for them since they're in like the second, third division, and just worked his way up. He's like 37. Uncapped, isn't he? Uncapped. He's a, an important it. barbarian's rule. And Spain's Manuel Mora, uh, yes. who is a massive, very quick second row with a top knot. So I once, I, when we watched him, I once just decided to nickname him Top Knot Sam because I didn't know his name and he, it stuck. Can his I name's not that? Sam. It's, um, that's a fair one to be fair. Like, I love, I love what you call um, Nick White though. Like, you know, <laughs> I absolutely, boy. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love it. 
It was my, uh, my friend had never watched rugby before uh, and she happened to be like coming to mind for something afterwards and she kind of came early, arrived whilst like Australia's South Africa game was on while the second half was on. He came on at half time and she just became absolutely obsessed with him. It was the game where like he took his mouth got out and threw it at the floor in protest at the referee. <laughs> he turned to, I think it was Bongi and Banambi or one of the South African pack and did like the eyes like, I'm watching you. Oh, why um, would you do that to like, I'm, that nine were always way too gobby. You know, just... It was incredible. And at one point she said, oh, he's, so, he's just a little piss boy. I love him. <laughs> and I went, well, that's sticking. So many people have complimented that phrase there, haven't they? Which is mm. which is really good. Of of all of the things you've said, Robbie, on your videos, the one that you didn't make up is the one that everybody oh, loves. Yeah, obviously. You know, the look, the thing I've learned from doing these videos is the less I can make up, the less I am involved, probably the better. Is that the reason why you uh, employ me now? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, that uh, look. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, but, but yeah, no, I, that's that's what it gets up to. Like when you start running your own company, basically, and you get your own offices, Robbie. You mm-hmm. know, like, then after that, delegation is the key of le- art of leadership. It is the way <laughs> forward, really. So, Will, you come up with all the stuff people like, and I'll fill in the gaps, yeah. <laughs> and you'll tear them down. You'll take them out of the video. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can edit this out if you want later. Uh, totally fine, mm. but. I do feel that a video, you know, a coll- I could do a collaboration with you guys at one point. Oh, yeah, I would, yeah. I would, I would enjoy that. I would enjoy that. Very I think that would work. I would enjoy that. And, you know, you're so much better at analysis than either of us are. Yeah. But debate, really. Debate, debatable. Really, I just literally watch a game multiple times until trends pop out in my head. That is literally it. That's all I do. It's my, my dad, for example, like to this <laughs> day, like he just... He'll, he'll call me and go, no, you were totally wrong there. You know? <laughs> just, I I'm pretty that. sure it's all about just, you know, kind of keeping my ego in check, knocking me down. Sure, sure. He sees, like, he sees, obviously, he gets a relatively okay response from people, and he's like, you know, I, I just need to be that one guy that, you know, just kind of like, when you're there and you're just, like, talking to the girl at this girl when you're 13, and he comes over and just embarrasses you. <laughs> it's literally, this is what dad, dads have to do, I suppose, but... Yeah, uh, I love that 100%. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We'll, we'll, your people will talk to my people and we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make it happen. Uh, no, Wait, I am your people. Kinda... <laughs> I, I am my people. I am one people. <laughs> Do you guys not have people? I've got people. I am not that important. We've got all the lawyers, um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, but um, no people. Lawyers um, <laughs> aren't people. Yeah, here first. No, you didn't. Anyone that's met one knows. Ooh, controversial. Sick. Why? Bird. Why am I still talking? I um, one thing, sorry. Why not? Cam- why not Cameron Wokey as in your in your lock set set Ooh. partnership? Is he in the back row? I feel like we um we must have made this team before he decided he was suddenly a second row. I mean, uh, so our back rows and the back rows are still a work in progress. Like we're still adding into it all the time. Ellis Jenkins, yeah, uh, hero. Cam, no, Tyler Ardron, captain, because yes. um, I like the thought of there being like a tier two captain as the captain. Constant Beckling, who <laughs> I don't know if people remember Constant Beckling. Uh, he was the He's captain. He's come on this podcast once before. Mm, he was the captain of a South African schools team that won the schools cup. And I don't, I think he maybe played a bit of Curry Cup after that. But he became famous for an interview, a post match interview. He came out very proudly and went, I'm so proud of the boys. They played with enormous testicles. And, and from that moment on, he became my hero. Yeah. I'm reminded of Levi James. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
very similar. Alice Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, Raimundo Martinez of Chile, who is of course a fan of the channel and yeah, actually is man of the match that. interview. That yeah, epic. yeah. So we want to repay him. That was unbelievable. By giving him yeah. a shout out in the Barbars team. And then we've also got Arthur Torrier because we just wanted the massive shit in there. Yeah, we needed a dickhead. We need to fulfil the quota. I feel like there's there's room to add to this. There's room. Yeah, to I think Cameron Wokey can go can go in there. Given given Connor's joining our coaching team, I feel like he he has he has a wild card pick that he can he can choose himself. So I love George Ford. Will be mine out of time. <laughs> okay, you know, like, hundred yeah. you know, percent. We'll bring him out of time, and just because oh, he does not get the plaudits he deserves. That guy. Which oh is no, very, we. Yeah. I can't believe you've got George Ford's three biggest fans who aren't related to him. And he's only come up in passing in an hour of this. Yeah, it's it just... I I always felt he was incredibly mistreated, you know, hmm. really harshly treated. It just, it, well, yeah, I can't say it better in your video, you know, to be fair, <laughs> just in terms of his ability to adapt, you know, to any yeah. situation on the field and know exactly how he wants his forwards, his alignment, his intelligence and... The ability also to take the line on himself, which he does do. You know, he does do. I mean, I understand why Eddie's bringing in Marcus Smith, even though I'm I'm not going to lie, like uh, the hype has just become a little bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, less of about that, the better. I don't want to fuel that whole thing. <laughs> but uh, even though he's a very good player. But you just feel that, that uh, I hated uh, when Ford came on, like totally ruined the game, totally ruined it. For he didn't fucking touch the ball. Like, why you yes. He had two touches, and both of them were really positive, really good. Yeah. Like, England got over the gain line in both of his touches in that game. And he, he didn't even have to make any tackles, did he? I no. think. No. No, it was it was nothing. It was just people piling in because they... I don't, it was like people were looking for this confirmation bias about finding if there's anything to confirm it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, he knows when to bring people onto him. He knows mm. when to literally only take a couple of steps forward and then pop that pass and have his guys come up. He knows when to take it to the line with his boys. He knows when to... He's the it. best in the world at that. Right. That's exactly that but one skill, like I've which never... is arguably the most important skill for a 10 nowadays. He knows, be- he knows the best carry and what pass and what depth he needs to be at to deliver and that carry. You specifically, know? like how to get the ball to him, whether it's playing out the back of a forward group or you know having having a screen play in front of him or just getting it straight from nine, like... There's so many options and he always gets the right one. Like I I think George Ford has the best rugby brain of any player I've ever seen. Yeah. I think like Foy Dupree is maybe in the conversation, but I I think George Ford is like a, another level in terms of the way he not only sees the yeah. game. Players who will him, be good coaches when they retire. Yeah, like, oh, he is if, he is playing the game a, usually yeah. like if he doesn't win a World Cup, he'll be it. He'll 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 if he will he will win a World Cup as a coach. You know, <laughs> that's the way I'm looking at it to be fair. Yeah. Like I just He's, you know, like when you have chess masters who say, well, I was playing like 18 moves ahead because I predicted mm. every move they could possibly make and I worked out every permutation from there. Ford feels like he's doing that, but in something as lively and fast moving as a game of professional rugby. Yeah. But if Ford's doing that, it's like, you know, ev- talking about Untermax, like, you know, everyone's playing chess, he's playing checkers. You know, it's a little <laughs> bit like that. He's just, oh God. But the thing is, I was having a word because I had a word about this with, um, mm. I had a word about this with uh, Robbie Will uh, only after the game. And the thing is, it's the reason that Untermack is so bloody good is that it's, there's almost this near talent for me 
there's almost this near telepathic understanding between the rest of his. I mean, he's got that with Dupont, admittedly. Yeah, but, yeah. Example, when he takes the ball forward, everyone, like for example, he takes the ball like and he doesn't even call. You don't see his mouth move, but you just he when he actually breaks the line, everyone else starts running off him to try and actually provide options and yeah, the yeah. And they just they're the synergy of in that team yeah. is incredible. Like their ability, don't get me wrong, I you know I they're not unbeatable. You know, you take out the French back row and they're, then they're, sure. they will, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to do that well. But for me, it's just kind of strange. You, I don't know if you can, I mean, I know obviously England are trying to hold cards to their test. I know Wayne Pivak is developing this game plan, you know, but the thing is, I don't know if you can really ever replicate that tele, tele, telepathy in, mm. in, in the camps without playing club rugby together, which is yeah. what these guys have, you know, so many yeah. I, the other thing is I think Untermack just has this kind of and I think a part of it is you see it with like with Ford as well of like both of their fathers were very high level rugby players they were probably around rugby constantly oh yeah well, yeah and they've heard all the language and it's not rugby. just like they started playing rugby at four they were around it non-stop they were watching yeah. it they were there like it was yeah. their entire life there's this thing with like I've seen a few people say this weekend about Untermack's pass that, you know, Juju Pond in that first minute, the results in the try. Mm. Uh, like, all that easily could have been intercepted or that could have been picked off or that, you know, could have been caused for whatever. But, like, the thing is, right, if you go through Roman Underback's entire career, there isn't one of them where it was. Like, yeah. I've seen so many times people gone, like, oh, that easily could have been intercepted. I was I've saying this, um, give one. I was saying this to Lee, the like, picking the... He he's so close on so many occasions, but he, he always picks wants, the right yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, never I think doesn't fall that way. Him running ball from behind his own goal line. He was. It's a one percent margin that he mm. possesses where he, he knows. Yeah, that he knows the exact one percent margin of will this pass potentially be intercepted, uh, and that's such an insane skill because. Okay. Yeah. Here's a potential question, right? And it isn't a real question. It's not a potential question. I'm actually going to ask the question. If you put Roman Untermack into the Argentina team and George Ford into the Italy team from this game, who wins? Um, Argentina. Because mm. they're, they're the better team in this game and they have Roman Untermack. And also, just like... George Ford is would be way too smart for all of these. They'd have yeah, no idea what the fuck he's on about. I think it's 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 so such chaos this game in terms of unbroken play and unstructured situations and stuff like that. That for me, you want. I mean, of course, Fordy is in, incredible at conducting an attack, but for me, it's uh, Untermac. Just he, he, both of them have a great feel for the game. Uh, but my personal perspective is, you know, in terms of being able to just like take reveling chaos absolutely <laughs> reveling chaos that is unto activity I, that's I mean, a good question the though other part yeah. of that though is you look at like how george ford played off the bench against australia in the world cup mm. right and the amount he kicked the ball and just pinned them back when he came on i could see him just doing that and just absolutely yeah. kicking the lever off it <laughs> it'd be great if italy got to bring george ford off the bench <laughs> in this game oh, as a that. as an embryo <laughs> I think it's um that was a very good way of getting a semi back on track, Robbie. Yes, that, well, I, I respect I, that. I, no, 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 no. No need to apologise. It's what we're all here for. Yes. Uh, um, the last thing I want to touch on in the first half, because we've done the try, oh, wow. yeah. is there's a point where Italy start this move by accidentally throwing the ball at the ref. The referee says yes. play on, and they make a 
brilliant line break down the right hand side and it's that thing in this world cup where every time they somebody strings three passes together you're just dreading it's, it's like dreading like okay how are they going to screw this up who's going to knock it on you know what what wrong pass are they going to throw whatever and it, it goes okay they manage to recycle a phase and then they pass the ball from from the base scrum off passes to Masioletti, the right winger who has pretty much nobody in front of him Everybody just stood in what is, in this scenario, the backfield. Uh, they're inside the 22. And for some reason, he diagonally chips the ball, whereas if he did literally anything else, he would have scored or his team would have scored. And it's just astounding to look at. I think I remember that occasion, actually. It, I just don't understand why kicking at the by the wingers was so prevalent. They got it. Yeah booted it like it sent it imme- uh, immediately up what 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 logic what logic do you reckon they were following I, I genuinely think it's fear of contact yeah i think I that's mean, a big part of it brutal rucks were at the time you don't want to end up in the bottom of one of those yeah especially when you're the size of like the lanza brothers who were both quite short but yeah it's it's very amateur oh, as you say do you want a quick fun fact about the Italy 15 go on Every single one of this Italian starting 15 went on into coaching, coached at quite a decent level. Really? All of them coached to either like national age grade or like top 10 equivalent. That's an amazing stat. There can't be many World Cup teams in history that you could say that about. No. um, And I believe it's Fabio Gentiloni, the 13, I believe, who went on to coach Italy at the 99 World Cup. Uh, right. He was brought in just before because the coach quit. He was then fired afterwards when he didn't get out of the pool stage, which we'll get on to in like six years' time. <laughs> well, speaking of Guy Taniello, the, the 13, as you say, mm. there's there's something pretty interesting that um, that happens with him because he misses a bit of a sitter, doesn't he? We're skipping ahead a little bit. But... No, let's let's let's. We've, look, we've covered yeah. most of the game by talking around. We've it. gone in a very so... funny order here, haven't we? But. Yeah, because Rafael Madero, the 12 for Argentina, gets the ball inside his 22 and goes for what looks like an incredibly safe pass if he threw it to the man, not across the blades of grass on the floor. <laughs> and it bounces perfectly up to the breadbasket of Gaetaniello, five metres from the goal line, and he somehow blows it and knocks it on. I also want to apologise. Uh, it was Mascaletti, the winger, who was the coach at 99. Right, the one who that wrong. kicked that ball away. Yep, uh, quite a few times. Quite yes. a few times. Yeah, oh, also, half-time, want to quickly mention, right? Yes. Um, the two very differing approaches to getting getting their team's hydrators to taking on water. So <laughs> Argentina have a massive pot, and they're all reaching into it with these tiny little cups and like sipping from them, like they're taking shots of water. Yeah. Whereas Italy pass around a massive like flagon bag that they all take swigs out of. And they just have like what looks like a handbag filled with water that they all just like sip out of and then pass on to the next guy. Just two it's, very, like a, very it's, like, it's like they've got a beer keg that are passing around, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> very uncovered safe and they should be locked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we end up, should we move on to the try, the Innocenti try? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I mean, it's all a bit of a state the lead up to this. <laughs> Just a scrum, isn't it? That's like totally gone to absolute, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, I suppose it's a scrum in the twenty-two. It's a, a good a platform as any, but like any scrum in this game, it wheels. Like so, mm. you've got like the. I think it wheeled clockwise, you know, for Italy. So they're totally. Then they decide to go blind, anyways, don't they? Um, yeah. they 
and they go towards where their back row are going to be. But like, no, you know, let's not like go where we've actually generated a really potential good open side now. Let's just go back to the fucking strength. Honestly, nobody had figured out how to do like efficient eight pick and goes other than be big at this stage. Like there's points in other games where I've had instead of the eight pops it to the nine who stood off, the eight has ran out the way so the nine can pass it to to the eight again. Uh which just puts the nine under heaps of pressure that's really unnecessary. But it's 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 just funny seeing them like not try and consider logic on trying to like win a collision. And yeah, it works for them, which is infuriating. Yeah. I mean yeah. because the score is written down because there's no scoreboard. I was waiting with bated breath as the conversion was being taken and as, you know, the teams were jogging back to their own half to find out what the score was, because I would be furious if Italy were ahead. Yeah, and it became 10-9 at that point. And I was still thinking, like, how is it this close? Yeah, because Italy were not good. No, no. But then it I'm reached not, I'm a not point. Say Argentina were good either, but they were better. No, no. The only time Italy looked like threatening in any way, shape or form, like, or looking competent was off like first phase lineup ball basically it was mm. the only time that um, maybe one scrum they just didn't look like they were committed they didn't look like they were fretting at all no mm. yeah and then when they, when they did they kicked it away it then reaches a point where both teams just become really committed to making it a more high scoring game so the guy can stay instead of going to his lunch because Everybody just wants to give penalties away at this point. It was 10-9, then it's 13-9, then it's uh, 13-12, then it's 16-12, all within about three or four minutes. And then it kind of starts to happen. So it gets to 16-all. And Contita Tro mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, Contita scores. uh, Superb finish. Really, really good try. And Argentina get into the opposition half. They hang a high ball, pretty good high ball, like 10 metres out from the Italian line. Tiboldi, to his credit, takes it. But he doesn't call the mark. He is actually eaten by the entire Argentine team who flood over and turn the ball over and drive right up the try line. I remember seeing those scrums on the five metre line. Like how mm. they got they got sent backwards over the line. Like what what twice, didn't they? Something like that. And this was, of course, before that they'd established that if you, you know, knock it on behind your trial line, for example, that then goes to five metres out. Uh, that, yeah. that was before that became a law. So, you know, if you knock it on one inch out from your trial line, then the scrum will take place one inch out. Yeah. You could basically score from a scrum feed, couldn't you? Yeah. You, yeah. Theoretically, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And I'm very glad for the laws that were brought in. Right? Mm. Especially yes. The most recent ones also, because I think they're, favoring the attacking team now finally mm. but no in terms of that it was just there's some things that you just never think that you'll see because we were raised in a totally different era of rugby, yeah, yeah. you know like and that is like i don't know what to say really it's just yeah <laughs> yeah but also right so Argentina have that scrum where it looks like they're going to shove it over but they don't quite penalties given etc if anyone is captain except for hugo porter the goal kicker they're going for scrum again yeah but it's the kicker, so they take the shot. He did. He was good. He was on. He was not mm. bad, to be fair. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great kick to to seal it at the end, wasn't it? But did you hear the commentator on this? What did he say? So, of course, he's he's committed to not going for his lunch, and he's going to mm. stick for the for the end of the game. And he re- he reflects <laughs> and realizes that he's made a really bad decision. 
Because what he says is, it's a shame that uh, Porter's gone for goal there. So sad that this game's finished like this, with a penalty. It would have been so much better <laughs> if we'd seen a try scored. And so that's the sort of thing you say when someone gets red carded at the end of a, a, a big famous win or something like that. Sure. Uh, and he's really, dis- like, he, he's ge- he genuinely says it's disappointing that Argentina have opted to win the game instead of trying to score a try. I wonder if he, if he was Irish and in 2013, if he, you know, if, uh, if Johnny Sexton had kicked that penalty kick in, against the All Blacks, I wonder mm. if he'd be saying the same thing. You know, I, I, I wonder if he'd be going, oh, I really wish they'd go, for- no, no, you'd go fucking go two minutes left, <laughs> four points. Like, oh, it's just silly. It's just Wales silly. at the weekend, you know, there's still people yeah. complaining about taking a drop goal that won the game. But there That's we go. Play. You, you, it doesn't matter how you score your points as long as you score your points, you know. Yeah, yeah spot on. So yeah, nineteen sixteen. They're literally about That's to win the game. Three minutes they're... to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, another thing I noticed quickly is Grant Nisbet calls every time a scrum goes against the head. He says, "Oh, that's a tight head there." Yeah, uh, and he puts the he puts the emphasis on tight rather than head, which is interesting. I didn't know that. That's maybe where the the words tight head came from. That they're the ones who win scrums against heads. Maybe I don't know. But interesting piece of changed terminology. I always figured it's because. It's the position where your head is in a tight space. Yeah, I thought it's so. It's the position that makes the most sense. It's where you've got sense. two people, one on yeah. each side of you, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know anything off. about the dark arts. Like, yeah. Zero. All I know is get the ball to a certain part of the back, a certain, you know, part of the, at the back of the base of the scrum. That's what you really want. Yeah, yeah, hope for the best. And then, so Italy get a penalty. What drama? 40 metres out in the touchline. Collodo, who is three from nine, he's got as, as many as a third of his kicks. Goes for goal, 40 metres out from the touchline. Boy, Place I wonder bets. how this is going to go. <laughs> Look, yeah, he's third of his kicks, which is a significant improvement on last time. I'd yeah. be delighted if I was him. He obviously shanks it miles to the left. But the drama was great while he was lining the kick up. And they're of like, course, oh, could he put course. it back? And no, not at all. And from the, the, the resulting dropout, Hugo Porter hits a bloody 50-22, doesn't he? <laughs> Hugo Porter hits like three 50-22s. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, then the ball is won back at the line-out. Um, apparently it was a regular tactic that teams would space their players out and leave players in the backfield and so or their, the backs, you know, in order to attack better. Uh, <laughs> and they wouldn't really commit to the line-out because lineups were a lottery anyway, so what's the point? Yeah. It's the equivalent of like I think that's 10 fair. ball yeah. a minute, you know. And who so, who developed lifters, by the way? Do you guys know who developed lifters in the lineouts? I don't know. I don't know when it starts because obviously it's outlawed at this point. There's a few games where players are penalised for lifting mm. the lineout. It happens at one point in this game, yeah. Mm. So I don't know. It's one of these things that we're probably going to come across as we yeah. journey between World Cups. I wonder if it's one of those things that referees just stop bothering to penalise it and then it just became popular. Just please have me on for 2003. Please have oh, me of on. Course. <laughs> of course. Okay. Okay, we will. We will. So yeah, so Argentina form more of the line out, which obviously, you know, is a because they're all massive lotteries anyway. What Italian fours are about will commit to that, meaning that there is just the opposite number or the scrum half's opposite number. Who is the replacement by this point? Fabio, Fabio Gomez. Gomez is on for Argentina, it's still a starting scrum half. Laurie Gula is on for Italy. There's also right when uh Yangula Languela goes off for Argentina, right? So he gets injured, they then rip his shirt off, the doctors. Mm. Spray his shoulder with WD-40, seemingly. <laughs> Tell him you're going to have to play on for five minutes because Gomez, the replacement, is still in the stands and he's got to go and warm up. 
So he has to play scrum off with a like injured. I think like he's. I think he dislocates his shoulder. They it say. looks horrible. Yeah, yeah, it looks horrifically out of place. And the doctors try to like rejolt it back in. He's they won't got to play do that anymore now, will they? They won't no. do that. Like back then, yeah, it was fine, but not anymore. But, like, yeah, he's got to play like five minutes with a dislocated shoulder at scrum off because the replacement hasn't warmed up yet. Yeah. Do you remember like Willie LaRue? He did something to his shoulder. Like, you got in chasing the sun. Rassy's like, he's got to stay on. He's got yes. to stay on. You know, I'm like, oh my God. These, you know, like... and he couldn't catch the ball. No. And all South Africans have held against him ever since, despite the fact <laughs> he's an extremely good player and continues to play very well for the Springboks. But Both yeah. For the try the last, their last yeah, try. Yeah, yeah. Like, really nice try, actually, to be fair. Yeah. He dummies yeah. and goes off the back of that mall. And yeah, his opposite number kind of falls off it. Falls off the tackle, not expecting. You feel for his opposite man, don't you? But yeah, um, yeah, it is a well taken try with a really obnoxious dive. Yeah, um, and I just have like what a dick written down, and I stand by it. But I love it. I love it. It's proper like you know shit out scrum off behaviour. And speaking of what a dick, I think that brings us on to our dick of the day. Yeah, Connor, you should start us off. You're very keen. Oh, the thing is, there was. I had Diego de Silva for ages, but then mm. he made the Pumas first try, so you can't really give it. For me, I think it was Lanza, where he knocked on literally two metres before the try line. Like, you do that if you're on my team and that happens, everyone puts in all the work and that happens. Yeah, you're getting your dirty pint. You know, let's just, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's happening to you. you know, I think like, that's fair. I think, Robbie, when you note that down, you should have the Lanza twins together as one uh, nomination on the see, Dicks I of the Day. They, I, I can see a world in which they end up on either wing when we do a Dick of the Tournament team. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, that's true. You separate them. Okay. I had him very much... Tournament and like, have a Dick of the Day all sporadically put throughout 1-15, to 15, basically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Epic. We've been yeah. keeping a spreadsheet of every man of the match and Dick of the Day. Uh, and currently, the player of the tournament is the dog that invades the pitch in the first game. <laughs> Uh, with three votes as man so, of the match. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had Pedro Lanza there for a very long time because it is pretty bad. Uh, Sebastian Salvat, because I really liked him the first game. I helped him a lot after that first game against Fiji. And then for him to repeatedly shit on my trust. Um, <laughs> it's very upsetting. Oscar Colodo as well, right? If, I'm sorry, but... You can you can do all the fancy flashy stuff around the park you like, but if you are putting as many restarts through the posts as shots at goal over sixty minutes, that's fair. You're in you're in dick of the day contention. Yeah, and also Daniele Tabaldi because I really don't like Italy having a competent fullback in this game. Like <laughs> there's so much less fun for not having that's what looks true. like like a middle aged man who should have an ice cream parlor. It looking did, slightly confused at the back. It did feel weird with all the knock-ons and like hmm. the just absolute like chaos of it. Seeing a 15 actually fielding the ball. Yeah. <laughs> it was so alien. It was like, this doesn't belong here. This belongs at a different time. We're not ready for it. Also speaking of belongs at a different time, Keanu Zanon, the Italy number eight, looks like a mad scientist. He looks like, he looks like Doc Brown. He's got this kind <laughs> of like standout hair flowing out the side, but it's about being completely bald on top. And then he'll like kind of stand there at the back, kind of looking ponderous, like he's stroking his chin, coming up with, you know, like grand philosophies. And in the moment after the scrum is engaged, he then dives in and shoves everyone, which is remarkable number eight play. 
But look, I am filling time because I have not decided which of my many contenders I'm giving Deck of the Day to. But in the interest of, should we say, not shitting on my own pride, I can't give it to Salvat, even though I think it is Salvat. Uh, so I am, I'm going to agree with Connor and go with Pedro Lanza. Okay, okay. So, I, I mean, many of the names I've written down for Dick of the Day, and there's a lot, uh, have come up already. But I am actually going to give mine to the referee, Mr. Quittington from England. So the reason for that is there's a point where three Argentines all go down injured and he just goes around them telling them to just get up and just saying, come on, let's go on with the game. Come on. Uh, And this isn't like they're time wasting. It's like start of the second half. In fact, it might even be end of the first half. And there's one point where somebody is down holding his head and he comes up to the the medics, the, the referee, and goes, is he all right? And they go, yeah, yeah, we're just having a look at him. And he goes, he's alive. That's enough. Play on. Say that. Yeah. You can hear him on the ref mic saying, he's alive. And then they kind of like go back to him a little bit. And he goes, that's enough. Uh, And makes him play on. Can we throw in an extra nomination as cunt of the match? (laughs) Yes, you can swear, by the way, Connor, to answer your really question. That's not good. That's really not good. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, there's a fight breaking out, and yeah, Roger Whittington, the referee, just gr- starts grabbing players from both teams by the shirt and ripping them off each other. He's extremely like very rough school teacher who uses a cane. <laughs> yes, he also gets nutmegged at one point, which is you know on the flip side quite entertaining. Uh, there's also one of the Italian wingers gets nutmegged as well, so there's two in one game, which is pretty good. Uh, before we do man of the match. Can I just quickly address one question from the post-match interview hmm? where they ask Hugo oh, Porter, yes. do you think Argentina stand any chance of beating the All Blacks? Which is a loaded question in itself. But his response, I couldn't quite make out fully because he says, if I think we don't have a chance, I won't get into the film, it sounds like he says. <laughs> yes. Is that what you thought he said? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, in the t- even though I jotted this down, in the time since my brain has rewritten it, is I won't get into the bath. either one yeah no but i won't get into the film maybe he is making the decision that orlando bloom should make every time he's offered a script and shouldn't get into the film it's true refuse it's better for everyone (laughs) they then say are you going to beat the all blacks and he's just like shut up mate yeah yeah basically just ends the interview there. i also enjoy innocenti giving a really wholesome interview and then uh, after having look it's looked fuming before it starts and then at the end when the the interview says thank you he turns to the camera and goes bye and then walks off he was made to be an official he was made to be a politician wasn't he yeah so should we do man of the match yes so robbie yeah, so I mean, there's, I think there's actually quite a lot of contenders, but because no one stands up and really stands out. Yeah, I think that Quotita looks really sharp whenever he gets the ball and he isn't booting it away randomly. I think Hugo Porter is a real contender. Danilo Baldi as well, I think, looks very good. But I think narrowly ahead of Porter, who I think is, is right there or thereabouts, uh, I want to give it to Gabriel Trevilani, the Argentine number eight. Who He's is good. really quick, yeah. big engine, big work rate. And yeah, has a few moments. As you mentioned, like the Mac Hansen moment, where he takes a restart yeah. and charges 50 meters down the field, beating everyone. Yeah. And is only a Lacanuam grubber kick away from being <laughs> the greatest player to ever play the game. So for that, he is my man of the match. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm going to go for Hugo Porter because I think 
it might just be really satisfying improvement on the last game, which he also addresses in his interview where he says, uh, yes, I didn't play very well in the last game. My improvement was good today, but hopefully it's better next week, which is quite nice. But yeah, no, I think he, he put them in the right areas of the park. He kicked well for the most part. There was just a few absolute howlers he kicked. But for me, Hugo Porter. OK, no, those are, but I, I actually have both of those in my both of those, uh, especially um, Trevor Clean. Trevor, I, yeah. I did have him in. As one, however, for me, I thought there could there was a there was a case to be made for Porto, also Cassetti, just Casita, simply because of that try that he scored. But I also I really, 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 really like Luis Molina's performance, and mainly mm. because in scrum time, I think that Argentina they were able to get a lot of domination because of Molina. You know, in terms love of, that, yeah, that was part of the reason. I mean, he. In the loose, he was pretty good as well. You know, he did make some really good carries and he was really there for tackles, so good work rate. But it was mainly the fact that on the game, I just think that, you know, he was quite a big reason why the scrum was shit uh, in both places, <laughs> but it was less shit for Argentina. <laughs> I like that. I really respect that call. I always like it when someone goes for a prop. Mm. It, it, it mean... is. It, it's every now and then. You, you, you can't just give them pies and beer. they need the glory that comes from a man of the match award on the most important podcast which is why they all listen to that other one with the people that i'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons oh we're not okay good i was i was going to call it earlier actually i was going to mention it i would have had it been edited out Uh, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Connor, thank you for listening. No, thank you for being on. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for listening. Um, and for talking. Pleasure listening. A pleasure talking as well. Yeah, we've actually turned your mic off, so none of the stuff you said came through. But thank you for listening. Oh, so I'm literally goldfishing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one, that'll be a very, that'll be good comedy. That will be good comedy. I appreciate so- that. Where can people find you? Where can people find your stuff? Please plug everything you you have, except uh, your mouth, which you'll need to talk because we well, are. Wibble Rugby is my channel at the moment, and will still be. I'm looking to start getting on with the URC because they've mm. requested videos, so that's all good. But my latest thing is about the reason why France are really good at the mm. moment, which are, uh, unfortunately they are. But but um. <laughs> but, um yeah, at the moment, guys, um, look, seriously, thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking rugby or tactics and not having to do just plain old number crunching and a yeah, lot of rugby, yeah. which is very, very refreshing. Don't get me wrong, I love what I job. I love my job, I love what I do, but every now and then you do like branching out a little Watching bit. rugby for fun rather than mm. for work. Oh, yeah. God. I watched the France versus um Italy game in the mm. spoons. In a spoon. Oh, like the first, that is the, the first dream. time I've watched a game. And I'd not, no, trust me, I had three for 10. I had the three for 10 meal deal. I had a pint of like, you know, like Angry Orchard, which is my favourite cider in the world. But there I am just chowing down on chicken wings. I'm like, oh my God, this is the way rugby is meant to be played. I'm not looking over <laughs> spreadsheets and models and calling and, and inputting data. I'm just enjoying the game. And like, that's great. It was, it was so. Love that for you. 
so lovely. Yeah, I'd, I'd quickly like to also just say, you know, thanks for coming on. I really enjoy your work. We often talk about how out of depth we are when, uh, when <laughs> we talk to, talk to the likes of yourself. And I also would, for anybody listening, vouch for your France video because that's very, mm. very good and very in depth. And essentially um, all of your work, just all yes, of it, just yeah. everything, everything yeah. you've ever done. Maybe? Connor knows what he's on about. Thank you, thank you, guys. Just, just, that's just, really lovely of you to say so. Thank you, and same vice versa. You know, I wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't got into squid rugby, not in any <laughs> dastardly sense. But like, if I well, if we'll, I got... we'll cover that in the Patreon only. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but if I hadn't got in, uh, seriously, like I've, in terms of where tactics can go, you open. It was open, my eyes were open. I was still like literally going over the set piece analysis, especially like Scotland, England and everything that's been going on. I always learn something from it. So thank you so much, guys. Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate that. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. And hey, thank you. Yes, you for listening. That goes to both of you as well. Thank you, Will. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for rugby. Thank you to all the players involved in this game. (laughs) And And not the referee. Not the referee. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time when the game we'll be covering will be France 55, Romania 12 from 1987. Why are we doing this? I don't know. I don't know. But yes, we'll see you all then. We'll see you then. Thank you very much. Good night. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.